And while Christmas, right, for a kid is somewhat magical, for us adults, sometimes it's crazy, it's chaotic, and it's complicated. Is that all right if I say tonight that Christmas is complicated? I know we have all these expectations, we make certain plans, and without fail, something goes wrong around Christmas. It just happens. Our plans are interrupted. It's complicated. I know for my wife and I, we try to uh, plan early for what our Christmas is going to look like, but never once has our Christmas ever turned out what we wanted it to be. I know a few years ago, uh, we took our youngest two uh, boys in to see Santa. We thought that this was going to be an amazing time, an amazing opportunity for them to meet Santa, to sit on Santa's lap, to tell Santa what they wanted for Christmas, and we get to Santa, and here is what happens with my two younger boys. Check this out. They look excited, don't they? I just look for every opportunity to show that picture around Christmas time. And that's kind of a funny thing, but, but for real, we, we, we make plans earlier, we try to, and we have certain expectations of what we think Christmas is going to be like, but without fail, something always interrupts our plans. Christmas is complicated. And to kind of move to a serious note, sometimes we experience what I call the empty chair syndrome. And that's where this Christmas, in your family, there we go, there'll be someone in your family that, whether it's through a broken relationship, a failed marriage, maybe when someone passing away, someone's not going to be at the table that was there last Christmas. And I know that's heavy, and I know that's hard for a lot of us to think about, but at the same time, those emotions are real. Christmas is complicated. But I was thinking about what I'd like to share just in a few minutes, 10 to 15 minutes with you this evening as we have all of the kids in here with us as well. I couldn't help but think that all of the things that I was thinking about as far as the inconveniences in my life, all of the interruptions that are messing up our plans. As a matter of fact, I got to let you know too that my extended family, the Bannett family, the time we get together for Christmas with my aunts and uncles, or this year was going to mark the 50th straight year that we gathered in the same place, but COVID, right? But COVID. A lot of us have some but COVIDs this year. And as I looked through all of the things that maybe COVID robbed from us and all the interruptions and all of that, I couldn't help but think that a lot of those pale in, in comparison to the first Christmas, to the original Christmas. I'm talking the OG Christmas here. And if you think about it, right, Mary and Joseph, if you just think about what they're going through, a lot of us don't put ourselves in their position, but just think about it for a minute, right? They're, they're engaged to be married, right? You have Mary, who's a teenager engaged to be married. She's making wedding plans. She's thinking about the caterer. She's thinking about the venue, right? In this culture, right? Wedding celebrations and receptions were like a week long. So she's putting a lot of thought into this, and then her plans get interrupted, an angel comes and says, Mary, you're to be with child, you're to conceive, but you're going to give him the name Jesus. And so she's thinking, all right, a matter of fact, at the, at the end of Luke chapter 2, she actually says, okay, may it be as you said. She has faith for it. 
Okay, the Holy Spirit somehow is going to impregnate me. I'm going to conceive. I'm going to give birth to a son. I'm going to name him Jesus. All right, may it be as you said. But can you imagine the next conversation she has to have with Joseph? Like, seriously, think about it. Uh, Babe, um, an angel came and now, wait, before I go there, let me just say, you know, I'm really excited about our wedding day. And he's like, yeah, I'm really excited about our wedding night. Man, I thought a lot more people would laugh at that. <laughs> but she's like, I, I'm pregnant, but don't worry, it's from the Holy Spirit. And he's like, say, what? What's going on here? Right? His plan is completely interrupted now. But we know the story. Matthew 1, he gets a, he gets a, a visit from an angel Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for you will have, she will have a son. You're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin, and he will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. We all know the story. But what I wanted to point out is that throughout the story, we often don't think about how many of their plans were interrupted. And then we get to the ultimate interruption, and many of us in the church world, we really don't talk about this at Christmas, but we really should. And that's where I want to lead you tonight. Matthew uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 13. If you don't have your Bible, it's all good. These verses will be on the, on the screen. But I really want you to lean in. I got really one main point that I want to bring out of this short passage, this passage that is towards the end of the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, this is what he writes, verse 13. He says, when they had gone, meaning the wise men, the magi, the people that came to give gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, myrrh. They give their gifts, and then they leave. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Verse 14, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Talk about an interruption. Verse 15, um, where he stayed until the death of Herod and so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I call my son. Just another prophetic word that's fulfilled. This is a side note, but there are over 300 prophetic words that Jesus fulfilled perfectly and we read many of them in the Christmas story. Verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, you see, he wanted the Magi to come back and tell him where Jesus was, he says, so that he can go worship him. But we know that he wanted to go and do something else. He was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Man, this is a crazy part of the Christmas story, one we don't talk about often. Yes, we talk about Matthew 1 and the angel appearing to Joseph. We talk about Luke 2 and the angel appearing to Mary. But very rarely do we talk about this portion of the story where the Magi come, they leave, and in a dream, Joseph takes Mary and their newborn son to Egypt. Now, what you have to know about this story is who this dude Herod was. Now, Herod was known at that time as King Herod. He was king of the vicinity that they were living in. He had a couple nicknames. The first nickname he went by was Herod the Great. 
You can read this in other places in Scripture. But the second uh, nickname, really the favorite name that he went by, and I've looked at many commentaries and they all say the same thing, his favorite name to go by was Herod, king of the Jews. Does that strike a thought in your mind? Herod, king of the Jews. It was what was written on the cross in three different languages when Jesus was hanging there. Here is the king of the Jews. So you can see why he was furious because someone else was coming to be king of the Jews. Someone else was coming to be king of kings and he didn't want his lordship and his kingship to be overthrown and so he sought to take out Jesus. He sought to put an end to Christmas and this wasn't anything new for him and I know I don't want to get too dark on Christmas but this is a dude, Herod, who killed his own two sons for fear that they might take his throne. He killed his brother and he killed his, even his wife. So this was not even a second thought for him. But he said, all right, I'm going to solve the problem. And here is the main point that I want you to get this Christmas. We always talk about the reason for the season, but this is the ultimate reason and it's reason to celebrate and we find it right here in this story, in this passage. We find it right here in this interruption because what we call interruptions, God oftentimes calls an invitation to something better, something greater, and it's called his purpose. And check this out. I want you to see this. If we can pull that up. In this story, in this little portion of scripture, Herod's plan was that through death, he would put an end to Christmas. That was Herod's plan. Christmas, a baby is to be born who is to be king? No, 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 I'm not going to do that. Herod's plan was that through death, he would put an end to Christmas, but God's plan. But God's plan. God's plan was that through Christmas, he would put an end to death. Man, that is the reason we celebrate Christmas. Because without Christmas, there's no cross. Without the cross, there's no resurrection. So without Christmas, there's no resurrection. And the fact that Jesus came, he did everything that he claimed he would do. He was who he said he was. He eventually went and hung on the cross for you, for me. They placed him in a tomb, but three days later, the tomb couldn't hold him. He got up out of the grave. And because he lives, we have the promise and guarantee of everlasting life as well. And that is what we celebrate this Christmas season. Man, that was Herod's plan to put an end to Christmas, but God had other plans. And how did this all play out? How did this play out for me and for you? I want to show you, I think, maybe the most uh, important scriptures that pertain to Christmas outside of the Gospels and is found in Philippians 2. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, and I'm going to get Tim to come back up and the team to come back up. They're going to help me as I close. But I want you to get this in your heart and in your spirit this Christmas season. Philippians chapter 2, check this out, verse 6. This explains everything in how God's plan played out and how through death he actually was able to accomplish so much. Check this out. I love this. Verse 6, who? Who's the who? Jesus. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage, meaning Jesus was God. Right? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word put on flesh and dwelt among us. 
This is Jesus. Verse 7. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, right? God, Jesus, becoming one of us. He came as fully God, but he came as fully man so that he can relate with you and with me. He's went through everything that we've went through so that we can have someone to call out to. But he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, but not just any death. Check this out, even death on a cross. Verse 9, therefore, God then exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue, check this out, verse 11, here it is, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the Christmas story. This is how it played out. This is how through Christmas he put an end to death by sending his son. And I love how it says that one day every tongue will acknowledge, other translations say confess, but this just isn't your normal acknowledgement or confession. You see, when we read this story, when most even Christians read this story, they read it and they think that one day they're going to be forced to bow and forced to confess. But this word acknowledge and confess right here, it actually means an open and a willing and a joyful confession. Open, willing, and joyful confession in Jesus. And here's the deal. Other places, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But I want to I tell you right now, as we are here tonight to confess the name of Jesus, we can hold on to the promise of everlasting life because that is what is promised. So this isn't a forced bowing and a forced confession. And let me just kind of get something out of your mind tonight, this Christmas. I, I think that this Christmas can be the most impactful. As you think about how right through death, Herod was trying to put an end to Christmas, but really God's plan was that through Christmas he would put an end to death. I hope you never forget this, but I want you to picture this in your mind, that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. That means you. If it's every knee, it's your knee. If it's every tongue, it's your tongue. But I want you to think about it in terms like this, because a lot of people view God as like this judge, and one day you're going to go stand in a courtroom, but I'm telling you right now, God is not inviting us to a courtroom to be judged. He's inviting us into his home to be loved. You see, the real story of Christmas is that Jesus came to show us who our dad has always been and who our father's always been. Matter of fact, Hebrews 1 says that Jesus is the exact representation of our father. And so if we look at Jesus and we know that he's loving and compassionate and caring and he's offered us salvation and mercy and grace, Guess what? God has all of those things for us as well. And so to step into this life is just through your belief and then your confession. So you're going to joyfully do it one day. Why not that one day be today? Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for, man, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be here in this room, in this season. Talk about complicated plans. We didn't even know if we were going to be able to have tonight. 
But Father, we believe that tonight, and our prayer, my prayer has been all week that you would be glorified. And Father, I just pray and I believe that your spirit has been working throughout this service, throughout our time together. And I just pray that if there is anyone here that's never stepped into that life of surrendering to you, I pray they would make that decision tonight. This Christmas can be the most memorable Christmas they've ever had because they know it's a Christmas they chose to follow you. And so if that's you, I pray that you would just confess Jesus as Lord, that you would believe in your heart that he is the son of God, that he did die on the cross to take away the sin of the world, that he got up out of the grave so that you could have new life. And so I'm just, I'm just asking right now for you to confess, Jesus, be my Lord. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.